Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. So good for us to be here together to worship God and study His Word. It is a blessing to be able to worship Him on this day, the first day of the week. And it's also a blessing to be able to worship Him on the first day of 2023. May God bless you and may God bless your family as we begin a new year together. Our first study this year is going to come from our Old Testament. Can I invite you to join me, please, in the book of 1 Samuel? Will you go with me in your Bible to 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter? I want to begin this lesson by reading to you several passages from 1 Samuel, chapter 17. And in verse number 1, the scripture says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they gather at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and they count between Soko, Azekah, and Ephes, Damon. Saul and the men of Israel were gathering, camped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs, and a bronze javelin swung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight, fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. There I, there I was. There I was, and I couldn't believe it. There I was where the armies were gathered. There I was between Soko and Azekah. There I was in the valley of Elah where David fought Goliath. Back in 2015, when I was still laboring in Middle Tennessee, I was blessed with an opportunity to take a trip to the Bible lands with several other Christians. I was able to spend time in Jerusalem and in Bethlehem and in Nazareth and Capernaum and Bethsaida and even in this place right here that we can read about in the Bible. In fact, while standing in this place that we read about here in the Bible, Barry Brentnell, a brother in Christ and the, and the man who was leading our tour group, he opened up the Bible and he read to us the story. He read to us a, a story that for many of us, it was the very first Bible story we've ever had read to us in our lives. It is a story that for many of us, it was first told to us by our parents. And, 
and by our or by our grandparents. It is a story that not only is one of the most well-known stories in the Bible, but it's also one of the most well-known stories in the history of the world. It is a story that, that is timeless. It is a story that is powerful and, and convicting. It is a story that has changed countless lives and it should never be glossed over or easily dismissed because as Christians we think we know it so well or because we think we've heard it so many times before. It is a story that begins not with the battle between the shepherd boy and the giant but with geography, with location, with a specific place in the land of Israel, notice how before telling us about the famous battle that many of us know very well, in verse number one of that chapter, the Holy Spirit begins by telling us where the battle takes place. He, he reveals the location of the battle. He reveals that the battle takes place in the Valley of Elah. The Valley of Elah, the Valley of Elah is located between Soko and Azekah. It is located east of the city of Ashdod, which is one of the coastal cities of the Philistines and west of the town of Bethlehem. You see, the Philistines had evidently invaded the land of Israel at this time, and they met Saul, King Saul and his army on the battlefield in Elah. They wanted to continue conquering territory in the land of Israel because by this time they had conquered a lot of Israel's territory. They wanted to meet Saul and his army on the battlefield and they brought with them, they brought with them their best warrior. They brought with them Goliath. They brought a giant. They brought a man who is described as a champion and he has a very imposing figure. The Bible describes him as being about nine and a half feet tall. Now to put that in perspective, the tallest man in the NBA today is a man by the name of Kristaps Porzingis. Kristaps Porzingis plays for the Washington Wizards and he is listed as seven foot three. That's almost a foot taller even than Brother Stan over there. If Kristaps Porzingis walked in the building today, he would look like a giant compared to every single one of us, but Goliath is even taller than him. Goliath is over two feet taller than the tallest man in the NBA, and he's also described as wearing armor that weighed nearly 200 pounds, and he carried a spear, and the head of that spear was about 20 pounds. This is a big, strong man. This is a man who is literally a giant. He is massive. He is strong. He is described as the best warrior among the Philistines. He is someone that nobody is eager to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with. Nobody is eager to meet this man on the battlefield. Nobody in the Israelite army wants to meet this man on the battlefield. Not even King Saul, the man who was appointed to, to go out before Israel in battle. He doesn't even want to meet this man on the battlefield. Everybody 
everybody in Israel is terrified of Goliath. And Goliath knew this. Oh, oh, yes, he knew this. This is why in verse number eight, the scripture says there was an occasion when he challenged King Saul. And he challenged the entire army of Israel. He arrogantly mocked them and taunted them and urged them to send somebody out to meet him and fight him. He said that if their best warrior could defeat him on the battlefield, then the Philistines would bow down and be servants of Israel, but if the opposite happened, if he defeated their best warrior, then the Israelites would have to bow down before the Philistines. That's the proposition he challenged Israel with on this occasion. In fact, the Bible says he did that for a long time. In verse number 16, the scripture says that he came forward day and night for 40 years and took his stand. That's for over a month. For over a month, he challenged Israel. For over a month, he came out on the, on, in the Valley of Elah, and he mocked them, and he defied them, and he taunted them, and he tested their faith and courage and trust in the God they served. He challenged them for over a month, and nobody in that time had the courage and the faith and the trust in God to meet him in combat. Nobody would meet him in the Valley of Elah for battle, and this is certainly one of the most embarrassing. It's one of the most embarrassing moments for the people of God in the Old Testament. The question, though, is, especially if you're reading this for the first time, is what's going to happen? How is this conflict going to be resolved. Is there anybody, is there anybody among the people of God who had the courage and the trust and the faith to go out and meet this man? Well, brothers and sisters, since our time is limited this morning, I am not going to take the time to read to you the rest of 1 Samuel chapter 17, but what I do want to do, if you don't mind, is I want to do my best just to, just to tell you the rest of the story. I want to do my best to summarize this and rehearse it with you. But as I do that, I want to ask you to do something for me, okay? I want to ask you to listen very carefully. I want to ask you to sit there in that pew and picture these events I'm about to describe in your mind. I want you to understand that what I'm about to tell you right now, it's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not some made-up story. It's not something that, that might have happened. Instead, the inspired word of God says that this is something that, that really did happen. This is real and historical, and it picks up in verse number 12. Going back to the chapter in verse number 12, after we're told about Saul and his fearful army on the battlefield in the Valley of Eli, we once again encounter the man we've been studying for the last couple of months. We encounter David again. We encounter this shepherd boy who is the youngest of Jesse's sons, and he has been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel. David evidently has resumed 
his work as a shepherd. And one day he's instructed by his father, Jesse, to go out to the Valley of Eli and check on his three older brothers who are in Saul's army. He wanted David to take his brother some food and to bring back word to him on how they are doing. Now, these three sons, these three older brothers that are in Saul's army at the Valley of Eli, their names are Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah. Remember, all three of these guys were bypassed and overlooked by God to be the next king of Israel. They did not have the kind of hearts and the kind of faith and trust and courage that God was looking for in the next king. And in this chapter, we see exactly why that's the case. Notice how neither one of those guys have enough faith and trust in God to meet Goliath on the battlefield. David goes to check on his three brothers. And when he arrives, interestingly, and I believe providentially, Goliath just so happens to be going out to challenge Israel again. He, he's going out in the Valley of Eli to taunt Israel and mock Saul's army. And once again, Saul and everybody else, they're terrified. They are absolutely terrified. They are running. They are fleeing. They are shaking in their sandals. And in verse number 26, as David watches all of this unfold, he asks a question to some of the Israelite soldiers. He wants to know what's going to be given to the man that defeats Goliath. He wants to know what reward will the king give the person who has the courage to go out and beat Goliath when he learns that riches and honor and even the king's daughter would be given to the man who defeats Goliath. Notice what happens in verse number 32. In verse number 32, after David hears about the reward and more importantly, after David hears Goliath taunting and mocking the army of God. In verse number 32, David's able to, able to talk to the king. He's, he's able to talk to King Saul. This may be the very first conversation they've ever had. And he says, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. In other words, you can't do this. You're not experienced enough. You're not able to go out and fight this guy. He doesn't have confidence in, in David. And in verse 34, it says, but David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and I struck him and killed him. He says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. Notice how during a time when nobody when nobody in Israel wanted to fight Goliath. During a time when no one had the faith and the courage and the trust to go out and meet this experienced giant on the battlefield, David said, I'll do it. I'll fight him. I will actually defeat him. This is the key part of the story. In fact, in verse 36, and that last verse we just read, I submit that that's a critical verse because in it 
we learn some things about David's heart. We learn some things about his character. We learn that the main thing that motivated him to go out and fight Goliath wasn't the reward that was offered by the king. Instead, it was Goliath's defiance of God. It was Goliath's arrogance. And his blasphemous words against God, you see, unlike King Saul and even unlike his three older brothers, David, and listen to this carefully, David had a deep passion for God. He had a deep love for God. He was emotionally invested in God's glory and God's name being honored among the nations. That is the chief thing. That motivated him to go to King Saul and ask permission to go out and fight Goliath. In fact, after he's granted that permission in verse 38. Saul tries to persuade David to wear some of his armor, but David refuses. David declines that offer. He declines to wear the armor of the king because he says it's never been tested. He told Saul, I don't. I don't want to wear your armor instead of going out to battle in armor that came from the king. The Bible says that David took his shepherd's staff. And he took a sling and he took five smooth stones that he had found in the brook. He then placed those stones in his shepherd's bag. And he went out onto the battlefield all by himself. His brothers didn't even go with him onto the battlefield. He went out there all by himself, all alone. And after being mocked and insulted and cursed by the Philistine giant, David reached into his bag. He pulled out one stone, not five, one, put it in his sling, slung it. And hit Goliath right in the middle of the head. He knocked him out completely, probably gave him a concussion. And then he ran to his body, took his sword. And he killed him. He cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw what had happened to their champion. When they saw what had happened to the nine and a half foot giant, their confidence left. They panicked, they became afraid, they even began running back to the gates of one of their cities. The warrior that everybody thought was unbeatable, he was beaten. He was defeated. He was defeated by a shepherd boy, a young shepherd boy, took down the giant. But here's my question. My question is, what about you? What about you in your life? What are your giants? What giants are you currently facing in your life right now? I'm asking you that question because we all have them, don't we? We all have giants. We all have challenges. We all have obstacles that the devil puts in front of us and we got to overcome those things if we're going to get where God wants us to go. In the case of David, his giant 
was a nine and a half foot tall Philistine warrior. He was a man who mocked God and blasphemed the name of God and made King Saul and his and his whole army afraid. It was a man who on the surface appeared to be bigger and stronger and more experienced. And he appeared to be unbeatable. That was David's giant. But maybe your giant is very different. Maybe your giant is not a nine and a half foot tall Philistine warrior. Maybe yours is an addiction. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a drug addiction. Maybe it's an alcohol addiction. Maybe it's a sexual addiction. Maybe it's a troubled marriage right now. Maybe it's a problem with your kids. Maybe it's a problem with a brother or sister in this church. Maybe it's people who are being bad influences on your life. Or maybe it's anxiety or depression. Or maybe it's the fear of failure when it comes to evangelism. Maybe your giant is fear, fearing failure when it comes to trying to reach the people you love with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's your giant right now in your life? You and I both know we all have giants, and we need to believe that we can defeat them. We need to believe we can defeat our giants just like David believed that. I'm going back to the text again. Remember in verse 36? Look at verse 36 carefully. Before going out onto the battlefield to face Goliath, and when talking to King Saul, David says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear in this uncircumcised Philistine Will, I got that underlined in my Bible, will, will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. Notice how when trying to persuade King Saul to allow him to go out onto the battlefield, David doesn't say Goliath might be killed. He doesn't say this is likely to happen or this is possibly going to happen. He doesn't verbalize any kind of doubt or uncertainty. Instead, he says Goliath will. He will be defeated. He will be conquered. He will be killed on this day. David doesn't doubt that his giant is going to be defeated. And my dear friends, we shouldn't doubt either. I shouldn't doubt either. You shouldn't doubt either, either. No matter what, what giants, no matter what giants we are currently facing in our lives, we should never view them as unconquerable. We should never view them as obstacles that can't be overcome. You see, if David could defeat a nine and a half foot tall, experienced Philistine giant with 200 pounds of armor on him, and that means that we can certainly defeat any giants we're facing today. We can do that because the same God who helped David will also help us. He'll also help me and he'll help you. I said earlier, I said earlier that David went onto the battlefield by himself. Remember I said that? I said that not even his brothers would go with him on the battlefield. I said he went out there all alone. I need to correct that. That, 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 wasn't, that wasn't really correct. That wasn't right. I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong. David did not go on the battlefield all by himself. I'm going back to the text. 1 Samuel 17, drop down to verse number 45. In verse number 45, after hearing Goliath 
mock him and blaspheme God and, and display great pride and arrogance. In verse number 45, this is what David said to Goliath on the battlefield. David said to the Philistine, you come with me with come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. He says in verse 46, this day, notice the confidence David has. This day, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down. And remove your head from you, and I will give the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. The glory of God will be revealed today. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Notice how here we see exactly why David has so much confidence when going out on the battlefield to face this giant. Notice how when going out to fight this man who everybody believed was unbeatable, David knew that he wasn't going out there alone. He knew that he wasn't going to fight this battle all by himself. He knew that God was going out there with him. He knew that the Lord was with him. He knew that the Lord was going to fight with him and fight for him and bring him the victory. You see, David's confidence on this occasion is in God. And it's not in himself. And I submit that that is the main thing that we really need to appreciate from this story. That's the main thing we need to emphasize. Whether you say that a miracle was involved here or not, the main thing to see here is God is with David. God is walking with David. God's spirit is mightily upon David. God's hand of victory is holding David tight. David understands that, and that is why he is so successful. It was God. It was God who went on the battlefield with David, and I want to suggest that if we're like David, if we have the same kind of faith and trust and courage in God, then God will also help us with our giants today. God will help us defeat and conquer every single one of them. He'll help us overcome those sinful addiction giants. He'll help us have those kind of marriages that, that honor him and bring him glory and reveal the relationship that Jesus has with his church. He will help us raise kids who love him and serve him and glorify him. Even in a world that is getting further and further away from the will of God, he will even help us mend the broken relationships we may have right now with people we were at one time close with in our lives. God will help us defeat and conquer every giant when we trust him and have faith. And when he does that, you know what's going to happen or may happen? Our victories may inspire other people. They may inspire other people to trust God and serve God. That's what happened in the case of David. Going back to the text one more time, look at verse 52. And verse number 52, after David had cut off Goliath's head, by the power of God, it says in verse 52, the men of Israel and Judah arose. Now look at them. They arose 
And they shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the valley to the gates of Ekron. And the slain Philistines lay along the way to Sharim, even to Gath and Ekron. The sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camps. Notice how in addition to defeating the one who openly mocked and defied the army of Israel, David's victory also empowered Israel. It empowered the people of God. It gave them confidence and zeal and faith they needed to overcome fear. It gave them the zeal they needed to pursue their enemies. And our victories could do the same things today. Just like you see here in the case of David, the giants, the giants that God helps us overcome today, they could inspire other people. They could inspire other people in the church to do better. They can inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to work harder at overcoming temptations and work harder at having a godly marriage and never waver in trying to instill godly principles in your kids and even step up and do more in the kingdom of God. David, David's victory, he inspired Israel to step up and do better for the Lord. In fact, it is at this point in David's story that his life is going to change. His life's going to change forever. It's going to be very, very different. No more going back to being a shepherd. From here on, David's life is going to be different, and I'm looking forward, Lord willing, to using 2023 at least once a month to showing you just how different David's life's going to be. I want to share with you some lessons this year that hopefully will show you clearly just how much God was with David as he rose to be the next king of Israel and all the things he went through as the king and more importantly, the practical lessons, the practical lessons that we can learn from him that will help us have the kind of hearts that please God. I'm looking forward to doing a lot of talking with you about a Mount Rushmore character of the Bible, but for now, as we get ready to wrap up this lesson, maybe there's somebody here. Maybe there's somebody here and you need help with some giants. Maybe you got some giants in your life. Maybe you have the biggest giant that you could ever have in your life right now, and that's the giant of sin. Maybe you got sin in your life right now. Maybe there's a Christian here this morning. You know you haven't been living right. You, hadn't, you have not been being a good Christian. You've been harboring sin, and you need to repent. And you need to ask God to forgive you and help you conquer that giant. Or maybe there's somebody here this morning, and you've never obeyed the gospel. You've never come to Jesus Christ. You need to pledge your allegiance to Jesus by believing in him. And repent of your sins and obeying his commandment to be baptized for the remission of your sins. If there's someone here this morning who needs help conquering spiritual giants, then come to the front right now. We'll help you. Let's stand. Let's sing together.